Bibles, and I hope you do, turn with me to Philemon. We're in the book of Philemon. And uh, I have enjoyed this book. I hope you've enjoyed it. The theme of the book is, uh, we've repeated it, real fellowship in Christ. What does it do? It breaks through barriers to refreshing relationships with one another. Refreshing relationship doesn't mean there's not ups and downs, doesn't mean there aren't storms, uh, uh, difficulties rubbing each other the wrong way, but ultimately in Christ we can refresh one another's hearts. And so we are looking at this book that's wrapped around three men, and I've tried to help you with this, Rub-a-dub-dub, Three Men in a Tub of Trouble. And the three men are Onesimus, the man in the mess, like the rest of us. He's a man who uh, got himself into trouble, was in sin, and uh, ran away from his master as a runaway slave, probably stole some things, and just was an unsafe person who was stuck in his sin. And then Philemon, the man who was the master, or so he thought. The more I think about this book, the more we realize he's in the position of power. He's in the position of influence as the master of his household. But in reality, he's not the master at all. He is a believer in Jesus Christ. Therefore, Jesus is his master. Who will he listen to? Will he listen to Jesus as his master? Or is he going to listen to his own heart, who is probably angry? At Onesimus, offended by what Onesimus did, even hurt, and in that culture, even shamed by having a runaway slave. And then the third person is Paul, the man in the middle. He's the mediator who is like Christ. So as we've gone through these lessons, I've outlined what Paul is doing is what Christ has done for us. And so we want to remember, especially on this Palm Sunday that we have a mediator, Jesus Christ, who stood in the middle. And we were the man in the mess, but we've also been the man or the woman who thinks we're the master of our lives. And Jesus is the one who stands in that. So what we've been looking at is the heart of the book. We're in verses 8 through 17 there in your Bible. So locate yourself in your Bibles, verses 8 through 17. And this is really the heart of the book. And I've summarized it as five stages in the messy process of removing roadblocks to reconciliation. We don't just bring two unreconciled people and say, okay, forgive one another. I mean, you know, and we do that with our kids teaching them forgiveness. We did that, you know, forgive him, forgive her, say you're sorry. It doesn't always go well, right? Because there's no process to it. And we're not always dealing with the heart. I'm not saying it's wrong to do. We we have to do something to teach our kids this process. But we need to remember that it is a messy process. And there are these five stages. So last week we looked at stage one and two. First stage was make a request and not a ruling. And so look in your Bibles at verses 8 and 9, and let's watch Paul play out this process. Verse 8, Therefore, I have enough confidence in Christ to order you to do what is proper. Yet for love's sake, I rather appeal to you, since I am such a person as Paul, the aged 
and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus. He has confidence in Christ to make a ruling, but instead, out of love, he makes an appeal. And just Paul, Paul models this tension between freedom and, and force in his request to Philemon. Look at, in 8 and 9, we see an attitude in approaching others. He asks instead of orders. In verses 12 and 13, we're going to see a respect for the rights of others. He sends Onesimus back because that was the right thing to do. Rather than keep him there, which was for Paul's benefit. And then his motives in ministries in verse 14. His motives in ministry with others in verse 14. He seeks permission rather than pressuring Philemon to do what he wanted. It's just this whole idea of make a request, not a ruling. All right. And Paul and Christ, they've earned our respect to make the request. And so on this Palm Sunday, I want you to think, and tonight as we prepare to take the Lord's Supper, Christ has earned our respect. Jesus paid it all. All to him we owe. He has turned our sins that were red as scarlet and made them white as snow. We owe. He's earned our respect to make the request that we reconcile with one another. And that's really pictured tonight in the Lord's Supper. Stage two we looked at. Seek to reconcile, not resolve. This is kind of a, uh, this is one that needs explaining in the sense that choosing people, choosing to reconcile people rather than solving your problems. In other words, rather than always being right, Sometimes we need to release that in order to reconcile, okay? And that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean you don't resolve problems. You don't sweep them under the rug. But ultimately, if you're going to approach reconciliation in a very legalistic manner that I was right, you are wrong, you must pay, I deserve this. If you approach reconciliation in that manner, it's not going to happen. There's a point where you have to release your rights and to view that person. Now, I have, or we said last week, this doesn't mean you ignore their wrong, but you stop seeing them just in light of it. And so how do we view them? We view them as a new creation in Christ. So turn your Bibles, turn over to 2 Corinthians 5, 16 through 17. And I just want to read this. I want you to read along with me. This is how we see people, not as sinless and never sinning, not just merely in light of their past and the wrong they have done, but the future and how Christ is changing them. This is a great passage, especially for this Easter week. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh in an earthly, just a mere earthly perspective of who they are and what they've done. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, he's saying there's nothing wrong with the physical flesh. This isn't a Gnosticism that sees physical bad, spiritual good. No, 
Yet now we know him thus no longer. He is a resurrected Lord. He has been crucified in the flesh. He's raised in the spirit in the same body, but it's a glorified body. Therefore, if that has happened in Christ, if anyone is in Christ, he too, she too, is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things, all things have become new. That's what we have to remember when we need to reconcile with a brother or sister. So those are stages one or two, one and two. Let's look at stage three this morning. Stage three is this. Focus on receiving, not rejecting. Focus on receiving, not rejecting. We see this in verses 12 through 15. So turn back to Philemon and let's see these in the Bible. And you might want to mark down. Uh, underline some words there in your Bible. Verse 12. I have sent him back to you in person. That is sending my very heart. Now, that phrase is translated in a lot of different ways, uh, slightly different ways in your various English translations. We'll come back to that. But he's sending him back and he's sending my very heart, whom I wish to keep with me. I, I didn't want to send him back because I wanted him to keep I wanted to keep him here with me so that on your behalf, he might minister to me in my imprisonment for the gospel. But without your consent, I didn't want to do anything so that your goodness would not be in effect by compulsion but by your own free will. He's pushing, he's sending Onesimus back, and he's pushing these two men into personal interaction. And that is what's so vital. We can't, the mediator doesn't do for others what they should do for themselves. The mediator brings them together to work it out. For perhaps he was for this reason separated. So he was separated. Now I'm sending him back for a while that you would have him back forever. And then you drop down to verse 17 that we'll get to. If then you regard me as a partner, accept him as you would me. Some of your translations receive him as you would me. So I'm sending him back. He was separated because he ran away. I'm sending him back a newly converted man you receive him as a brother. That's reconciliation. So here's the principle I want you to get out of all that. Out of that key passage, here's the principles for stage three. Reconciliation always requires two people fulfilling their own responsibilities. Now, that's the money quote right there. Two people fulfilling their own responsibilities. So let's look at the responsibilities and see if we can see ourselves in this. Onesimus's responsibility was this. He needed to seek release from bondage and the debt that he owed but couldn't pay. This guy's a runaway slave. And it's not just the bondage. He's been released from the bondage of his sins, but he's offended someone. So he is in Philemon's debt because he has offended him. And so he needs to go back and his responsibility is to come before Philemon and say, I did you wrong. Would you release me? 
The only problem is he's been a runaway slave. He doesn't have any money. And yet he has a debt he couldn't owe. Now, I don't think I have to spend much time saying that's where every one of us is towards Christ on this Palm Sunday. We have a debt that we owe to a holy God that we cannot pay. And salvation is going back to that God and seeking release from the bondage of our sin. So notice, Onesimus' responsibility meant repenting of sin and returning to the scene of the crime. To ask for forgiveness and potentially suffer the consequences. He can't make a demand on Philemon because he's in his debt. And under Roman law... He could literally be killed by Philemon. He could be whipped, and it would all be just, and it would be right, and it's what he deserved. So, you know, that's real salvation, isn't it? Is when we come to Christ and we don't say, hey, let me do a deal with you where you forgive me my sins, and then, then uh, you know, I'll do this and this for you, but not that for you. No, we come empty-handed. And we just come before him and say, you know what? I'll suffer the consequences. I'm at your mercy. I just seek release and forgiveness. Now, Paul sends him back. And Onesimus being willing to go back. There's three things I want you to see in this first phrase of sending him back to you in person. That is sending my very heart. First of all, I want you to see sending him back was legal. It was the legal thing to do. Sending Onesimus back to his master fulfilled both Jewish and Roman law. It was the right thing to do. Secondly, it was emotional though. Reconciliation is not something that's mechanical and legal. It was emotional. Paul writes this in a very emotional way. Picture, if you will, Onesimus standing at his side as he writes this letter. And he says to him, and that's why the different translations are, 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 they're all saying the same thing, but it's hard to translate because Paul's not doing regular grammar. He, it's like he's tweeting this out emotionally, okay? And here's what he says. So NAS, it says, I have sent him back to you in person. That is sending my very heart. The Net Bible, I have sent him, who is my very heart. Like he's interrupting his thinking because he's getting emotional. You can sense the tears coming from his eyes. The CSB says, I am sending him back to you. I am sending my very own heart. And the Greek itself is choppy. Here's what it is. Whom I have sent back to you. Him. This one is my heart. He's just laying it out there. So he's doing the legal thing, but it's at a heart level and he's showing his emotion. And then number three, it's relational. This relational, this reconciliation, these two were going to reconcile face to face. Him, I'm sending back to you and you too are going to work this out. Now, let's be real. That had to happen because where was Paul? In jail. And I, I would think that he likely, if he was not in prison, would have went with Onesimus and mediated in person. But here's what I want you to see. 
Even if he had went in person, he still would have stepped back at some point and said, Now, you too, face to face, here is Onesimus. What do you have to say? Philemon, what do you have to say? And they would have done it. It is so important. Listen, there's two kinds of forgiveness that are taught by Christians. And uh, some teach unilateral forgiveness, which means anybody that does you wrong, you just unilaterally forgive them and you move on. The other is a bilateral forgiveness where, yes, I have a forgiving heart to people who wrong me. But until they repent and ask and we reconcile... I can't give forgiveness to those who don't ask for it. You say, why is that important? Well, I I think we see it right here in Philemon. And we see it in Jesus on the cross. What did Jesus say on the cross? Father, I forgive all of them. No, what did he say? Father, forgive them. You forgive them. They know not what they do. They're not asking me for repentance. I have a forgiving heart. I'm here on the cross, but I'm not shouting out, Hey, Centurion, you're forgiven. You're forgiven. You're forgiven. And by the way, come and ask me for it when you get around to repentance. No. And you say, well, that's Jesus on the cross. Well, what about Stephen? Rocks are being, he's being stoned. And he does what Christ does. He says, Father... He says they, they, they don't know what to... He, he asks God to forgive them. He doesn't shout out to people in their sin. I forgive you. I forgive you. And I think that's what's going on here. And, and of course, we do all this with a heart that longs for this. So there's the responsibility. It's relational. When he says him, this one in my heart. So imagine, if you would... Paul's writing, and Onesimus is standing there, and he's sending Onesimus back to, he doesn't know what. Now, he's confident. Philemon has a track record of refreshing hearts and being forgiven. So he's confident, but he's like, I'm going to miss this guy. And I don't know what is going to happen. And then imagine the letter being handed to Philemon perhaps by Onesimus himself, and, and Philemon reading this letter, and Paul says, him, your runaway slave that's standing right there in front of you now, him is my very heart. Listen, listen, today, as we think about Palm Sunday and the rest of the Passion Week, Christ is in heaven pleading and appealing On our behalf, him, her, is my very heart. And the father says, yes, indeed, I sent you to shed your blood for them. I, you know, he is covered. She is covered by your blood. Him, her, is my very heart. What a beautiful picture of the gospel. Amen. I mean, this, I mean, think about it. This is what's going on in heaven. The father isn't the angry dad and the son, the loving savior. Together, they are the loving trinity. And they are appealing. And yet, our atonement has been legal. Wrath has been satisfied. Punishment has been delivered. It's been absorbed by the Lord Jesus Christ. Justice has been met. And yet, God the father and God the son and God the Holy Spirit 
are appealing and reconciling and identifying themselves with us all so that we may have a reconciled relationship, not just with God, but with one another. Even when we do dumb, sinful, bonehead stuff. Isn't this good? This is a beautiful thing that we're a part of. And so tonight, the picture of the Lord's Supper is a picture of all of that we're talking about. And that's what we celebrate. So that's Onesimus' responsibility. Seek release. What about Philemon's responsibility? His responsibility is to seek to receive as a brother his former slave and cancel the debt that's owed to him but Paul has offered to pay. Isn't this beautiful? So Onesimus comes in repentance, in humility. I was wrong. Will you forgive me? I owe you a debt that I cannot pay. And Philemon is to receive him by forgiving him and by receiving him as a brother, canceling the debt and not writing Paul back, hey, you better pay it all up. No, he's like, Paid in full. Again, what a picture of the gospel. The Lord Jesus Christ receives us because he has paid the debt that we owed, but we could never pay. It's paid in full. That's what he said on the cross this Friday. As we think about Good Friday, tetelestai. It is finished. Paid in full. Man, it's just great. Isn't it great? So let's... What is Philemon's responsibility specifically? Relating to Onesimus as he would to Christ and releasing him to serve Christ. Paul wants him to be released and sent back to minister to Paul in prison. So let me summarize it this way. Let's look at this next point. Sending Onesimus back, that was the right thing and it needed to be done. But receiving him back as a brother was the better thing. And sending him back to Paul, that would be the best thing. Is that good? That's the best thing. Because here's what would happen. In sending him back to Paul, uh, basically Onesimus, uh, uh, Philemon would be setting Onesimus free to say, You're no longer my slave. I'm no longer your master because we both have a greater master. And we are here to serve him. And not exact punishment from one another for the wrongs you have done me. And I'm telling you, I've been deeply hurt in life. And most of you here have lived long enough to be deeply hurt by other human beings. And it hurts. It hurts deeply. But when you go and take it to the gospel, then you can release. And no, they may never repent. And they may never ask you for forgiveness. But you can have a forgiving heart towards them and not pretend it's all been made right. It hasn't until they repent and ask forgiveness and you grant them forgiveness. It has not been made right. But you can have a forgiving heart. And like Jesus on the cross, like Stephen while he was being stoned, you can release those who have done you wrong to the Father and say, Father, I want to forgive them. 
I am forgiving towards them. But may you work the, the work in their heart so that they will repent. So they will ask for... Does, am I helping you with this? The danger of the unilateral type is we get alone with God and say, Father, I forgive them. And then we walk out of our prayer closet and we know it's not right. And so we replay the past. We, we, we get enslaved to our bitterness. This way, we recognize this isn't right. They haven't repented. But I am releasing them to you, Father, for you to work. Therefore, I have a forgiving heart. And if, if God would work that miracle and these people that have hurt me would suddenly walk up to me and say, I was wrong, would you forgive me? I wouldn't even have to pray about it. I wouldn't even have to think about it. Because I've already, I have a forgiving attitude. Now that you've asked, we can be reconciled. And it may be a reconciliation with boundaries. Okay, we're reconciled. You're forgiven. Now, let's not hang out too much, okay? Because that's just not going to be realistic and possible. But your heart has been healed. The gospel has been revealed. So, I have in your note, set people free to serve their true master. Not you but the Lord Jesus Christ. So, number three, third thing I want you to see. A major roadblock to reconciliation. This whole two messages are about removing roadblocks. A major roadblock to reconciliation is when we forsake our own responsibility because we're focusing on the responsibility of others. They need to do this. They haven't done this. I've been hurt. They need to make it right. In fact, they need to suffer a little bit the way they have made me suffer. That's, that's, that's not your responsibility. Your responsibility, if you've been hurt, is to be a receiving person. If your responsibility, if you have done the hurt, is to be go back and to seek release. But sometimes we even focus on God's responsibility instead of ours. And we're like, well, I'm going to make them pay. No, that's God's job. And he's very good at it because he's a holy and just God. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm to pressure them to change. No, that's God's job. And he does an amazing job of it. Well, I, you know... I, No, peace. Listen, there's no peace as long as you're taking the response. So here's the thing. When when you've been hurt and when there's forgiveness and when there's a need for reconciliation, you've got to have these circles of responsibility very clear. Mine, theirs, and God's. Okay, there's more we could go into, but are you see? You'll never reconcile with people as long as you're stepping out of your circle of responsibility. So here's what happens. When you forsake your responsibility and take on others, you'll always have a spirit of rejection because a spirit of rejection always focuses on the other person's past actions and their responsibility to change. But they, but 
her, him, but her spirit of rejection. Spirit of reception always focuses on my own actions in the present and my own responsibility. Lord, I just want to make sure my heart is not bitter. I want to make sure that I have a forgiving attitude. I want to make sure that I have released them to you. For you are the just judge. You are the gracious reconciler. So I I would just ask you this Palm Sunday. What spirit do you have in your heart? A spirit of rejection or a spirit of reception? And there's a responsibility of the mediator. So let's look at this just briefly. Paul's responsibility as the mediator was to seek reconciliation between brothers and sisters in Christ, just as God in Christ has done for us. Seek reconciliation. So if you're a mediator, seek reconciliation. If you're the offender, seek release. If you're the one who is offended, seek to receive. Those, that's stage three. But if you're going to do stage three, you need stage four. Here's stage four. Begin to renew your perspective, not replay the past. How do I know I'm zeroed in on my responsibility? It's whether you keep replaying the past. But they did this. But they said this. And it keeps coming to mind. It keeps coming to mind. You need to renew your perspective. And we find that in verses 15 and 16. Look at verses 15 and 16. For perhaps he was for this reason separated from you for a while that you would have him back forever. No longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother. Stop looking at the past, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. Look We don't separate these things out. We are not docetics. We are not Gnostics who separate flesh and spiritual. Here's the guy standing in front of you. He's your brother in the flesh, but he's also now your brother in the Lord. So here's six ways to renew your mind with God's perspective. So you're in a, let's say you're in a relational roadblock. And let's say somebody's not, hasn't repented and you're in this roadblock or let's say they've repented but they haven't changed as thoroughly and completely as you think they should but you have never have (laughs) okay okay there a little recognition here here's what you were in renew your mind with number one think eternal not temporary think eternal not temporary look at what paul says He says, for a while, he was separated. Now you get him back forever. He's saying, let go of the temporary, focus on the eternal. Number two, think reconciliation, not separation. Notice what he says. Separated from you, have him back. Let focus on reconciliation Not the separate. Oh, the separation is so great. It is great. Sin separates. Sin separates. Sin creates walls 
that humanly none of us can tear down. But think reconciliation because God can tear those walls down. Pretend that they're down? No, don't pretend. But think, think reconciliation, not separation. Number three, think brotherhood or sisterhood, not bondage. Think brotherhood, sisterhood, not bondage. Notice what he says. No longer a slave. He's not enslaved to you. Don't, don't concentrate how he's in, he was enslaved to you and enslaved to sin. Instead, think about him as your brother in Christ, your sister in Christ. Number four, think love, not hate or indifference. Notice what he says. No longer as a slave, but more than a slave. Not just merely a brother, but what kind of brother? A beloved one. One whom God loves and whom you are to love. Okay? Working with uh, a young teenager in our church and we're working through 1 John together and and we're memorizing and we're in 1 John 2. 1 John 2, 3. By this we know that we know him. If we keep his commandments. And what is the commandment in 1 John 2? That you love one another. Think love, not hate or indifference. Number five. Think spiritual, not just physical. Think spiritual. Not just physical, both in the flesh and in the Lord, both in the flesh and in the Lord. Listen, you never know if you just look at people on the outside, you'll never fathom what God's doing on the inside. You know, so we look at people in the flesh and we go, oh, he would never come to church. I'm not going to invite him. He would never get saved. That guy's so hard. That woman's so negative. But we don't know what God's doing on in their heart. When I was in that library as a as a 10th grader at Oak Park, there was all sorts of things going on in my heart that I didn't even know about. But we reach out. Think think spiritual and not just physical. And then number 6, think gain, not loss. Think gain not lost. I like how I like how he says to you, "How much more to you?" And Philemon's going, "Yeah, but he cost me money. How much more to you?" You're getting you're you're getting you're not just getting a slave back. Yes, the slave is coming, but you're getting a brother and a beloved brother. There is so much more for you on the other side of reconciliation. And what is this gain? Well, he says in verses 10 and 11 that we've looked at, I appeal to you for my child Onesimus. Onesimus means useful, who formerly was useless to you, but now is useful both to you and me. People can become useful in the Lord. And the gain is in terms of God's glory. How many times have we heard in the news, and I didn't Google this or anything, but you've heard these stories, where someone's son is murdered and they forgive him in the courtroom. And boy, that goes all over the news because the world can't fathom 
this kind of reconciliation. The world knows that's not normal. But it ought to be normal among us. Amen? It should be how Christians... And I know there are Christians who profess but don't possess. Therefore, they're never going to do this kind of stuff. And there are Christians who are truly born again, but who are hardened in re- and they don't understand the principles of reconciliation. That's why it's so important to teach these things. And they need to be taught to your kids and to your grandchildren. The principles of reconciliation, they will save a marriage. They will prevent a church from splitting. And they will enable a life in this fallen, broken world to find peace and refreshment. Amen? That's, man, <laughs> just let it, let it pour over you this morning. And let's celebrate it tonight in the emblems and the signs and the seals of the Lord's Supper. Stage five. Here's the, the, the fun part. Choose to remove the roadblocks, not resist God's purpose in Christ. The reason you can do stage five is because you've done stages one through four. Now, it's simply time to remove the roadblocks and stop resisting. And look at verse 17. What a beautiful... He's, he's taken 17 verses to finally get to what he wanted to say. And here he says it. If then you regard me as a partner, accept him. Um, and some translate, and I like this better, receive him as you would me. Do you realize that is the first command in this letter? The very first command. He's taken a long time to get there because reconciliation is a messy process that takes a lot of time. He was preparing Philemon's heart. See, too often we think as a Christian, I have to rush in and reconcile because that's what Christ would do. No, it's a messy process. And it takes time to prepare your heart and God has to prepare their heart. But when that time, but, 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 If you always delay, there comes a time where the command is given. Receive her. Receive him. Just as you would me. And boy, do you hear Christ echoing in that? Christ is saying to us, receive your brother or sister who has wronged you and repented and ask forgiveness. Receive him or her just as you would me. And just as I have received you. Wow, what a beautiful, beautiful thing. All the roadblocks have been removed. Now the command stands, receive him. And the tone of Paul's command is one of urgency. Strike while the fire is hot and the heart is soft. Don't don't think too much about this. Think about it. Let God prepare your heart. But when it's time, just do it. Listen, it it grieves me. It grieves me to see people who know they need to reconcile with a spouse or a family member, a father or a son or a daughter, and they just 
they won't do it. You can present this to them and they just look at you. They look at you and they won't do it. Whether it's fear, whether it's unbelief, whether it's anxiety, I don't know. But I am telling you, work through the process and let God Give God the opportunity to do what only he can. And when I send people, because as a pastor and as a discipler, these things always come up in discipleship. And when when I send someone to do what I have to do myself at times, I always send them and tell them, please understand, this may not go well. There's basically, and I don't know if I'm going to rattle them off by memory, but... Randy, you know, I've, I've taught this. They may get angry and the situation may be worse. But you have done the right thing. That's number one. They may get angry. They may look at you with that blank stare that you've been giving to God about this. They may give you that blank stare and you're like, OK, what do I do? You just say thank you and very much and. You've done your circle of responsibility. They may, number three, brush it off and say it was nothing. But it wasn't nothing. That's why we haven't been talking. (laughs) It was something. And when you ask, will you forgive me? They They won't say yes. They'll just say it was nothing. You know, go on. And then maybe there's only four. I don't know. There's probably a hundred, but... Sometimes, in God's grace, they break. And they say, I forgive you. And there's a a melting, right? Again, there may be boundaries that need to be established. We're not talking about you have to be best buddies. It may not even be the right situation where if it's a divorce, you get remarried. That's not the point. The point, though, is to release and to refresh hearts. Is this... Making sense? But see, it's the circle of response. What if they? It doesn't matter what they do. That's not your circle of responsibility. Beloved, set yourself free. Set yourself free. So here's the answer to this. Removing roadblocks to reconciliation is always possible when we do two things. Now, let me just say, I said removing the roadblocks is always possible. I didn't say reconciliation is always possible. It is not always possible this side of heaven living east of Eden. Circles of responsibility. But you, you and I can always remove the roadblocks in my heart. And that's what I'm responsible for. Are you with me? Choose to receive Christ and become his partner. You can't do this apart from Christ. You have got to choose Christ. You have to receive his forgiveness so that you can grant that to others. Make sense? You've got to understand that. See, Christ on the cross was talking to us. Father, forgive them. But he didn't forgive you until you came and asked him. See, that's my, that's my hang-up on unilateral forgiveness. It, we don't get saved by unilateral. He doesn't just forgive, and we never have to repent and ask for our forgiveness. Christ has a forgiving heart to sinners. 
And if you don't know him this morning, he has a forgiving heart to you. He will, he will forgive you in an instant, but you've got to ask him. You've got to repent. You've got to turn away from your sin. Come to him as Onesimus, as a slave in bondage to your sin. And you've got to come and say, I have a debt that I owe, that I cannot pay. Would you cancel my debt? Would you forgive me? And Jesus is like, oh, I did that before eternity. But you've got to come. So don't don't take lightly where you are in Christ. If you count me as a partner, is Christ your partner? In the Lord's Supper tonight, we partner as we partake. By taking communion, we are saying Christ is my partner. And I, he, he, he is my partner and I am his partner. Number two, choose to receive others the same way Christ has received us. See, that's how this works. Until I've done this, I can't do that. And here's what happens. Here's what happens. We do this when we are young or we do this at camp. Or we do this in a motion, in a in a in a moment of emotion, and then we kind of think it's back there. And then when we have to forgive someone, it's not fresh. We're not our our relationship is not a fresh trust. We're not constantly confessing and and and, and receiving forgiveness. See, if you just do this in the past, and then never confess sins, First John one nine. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we don't do that on a regular basis, then we are hardened to forgiving others. Does that does that make sense? You know, this is where Catholicism has something on Protestantism. It's the wrong thing, but the constant confessing of sin Doing it to earn your salvation back is a horrible thing. But doing it, knowing that I am forgiven, but I want fellowship. This book is about fellowship. Confessing on a regular... And I confess that I'm not good at confessing on a regular basis. Which is one reason I do pray through the Lord's Prayer. Because it says, forgive me my trespasses just as I forgive the trespasses of others. So here's how we end these five stages. And what a, here, look at those questions. I hope you didn't already put your notes away. These are the questions as we go into Passion Week. Who do you need to release? And who do you need to request? Who do you need to release? Who do you need? But look at it in your notes. Who do you need to release? Remember, you too have needed release in the past, and you'll need it again in the future. Who do you need to receive as a brother or sister? Remember, you'll be receiving the very heart of Christ himself. What steps do you need to take to remove some roadblocks this week? Removing roadblocks will be profitable for you, for others, and for the glory of God. Woo, man. Happy Palm Sunday. It's good news. It's good news. I need it. You need it. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we are, we, we, we are looking into things that angels 
are amazed by because they don't have this. They don't have redemption. They don't have regeneration. They marvel that sinners like us could be saved and not only saved with a relationship, but refreshed with fellowship with you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Lord, I don't know where this has hit hearts, but I pray that it has hit all of our hearts. And may this Easter week, as we go into Passion Week, as we look forward to Easter next Sunday, may some roadblocks be removed. May hearts be turned back to you. And may forgiveness be offered, just as God, you have forgiven us in Christ Jesus. May it be. Let it be. It is true in Jesus' name.